Tim, we are back with the Not Dead Yet podcast. What's JP? going on, Tim? Nah, not a whole lot here. What's going on there? We are guestless today. Guestless. Guestless. Not without I feel, trying. I, I feel well naked. Well, as we've talked about on previous podcasts, you know, we are a guest-driven podcast. Unfortunately, sometimes people just can't. People back out. People can't make it. That being yeah, said, we it's fine. just one of those one of those weeks. But we still yeah. want to do a podcast. We've got stuff to talk about. So we, we yeah, we wanted to uh, kind of convene and talk about kind of the state of the state. And we are just the people you want to hear from uh, <laughs> on plumbing and HVAC businesses because we don't participate in any of that stuff. We just report on it. Yeah, but at the same time, John, you've been out on the road couple times in the last few weeks you are on the road later this week and you're going to facilities you're seeing new facilities you're talking with manufacturers that have pumped a lot of money into investments for r&d and to new buildings so obviously there's a lot of investment in the industry right now and the state of the state isn't that bad headlines have been uh you know high fuel prices and inflation and supply chain issues and lead times and it's it's all not good it's not good, but there are some some things going on in the industry with kind of COVID moving its way out that doors are opening, people are getting back together, people are going to shows, people are going to uh, facilities and taking tours and attending training classes and things like that. So there's positivity out there. And like you said, Tim, I was just uh, recently uh, at a Sloan event. They opened a, uh, a showroom downtown Chicago. That was last, well, maybe two weeks ago. Was it that? Yeah. And then, um, Renai down in Georgia. Yeah. Renai a couple weeks ago as well. Uh, and that's a big facility down there. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when COVID hit, you would think because of the uncertainty and the chaos of, Oh my God, you know, what's going to happen? You could have sat on your hands and just waited, but there are a lot of companies that that said, you know what, this is a perfect opportunity to maybe invest in 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 our companies and our our services. Renai is a perfect example of that. I'll, I'll get to. Uh, I I did an interview with the president, and we have some cuts from that, and we'll share that with you in a minute. But um, yeah, I'm looking. Uh, Kohler just uh, announced a uh, warehouse completion in Huntsville, Alabama. Well. And on Thursday, this coming Thursday, you'll be in Milwaukee at Kalefi's um, industry event where, one, they're celebrating their 20th anniversary here in North America. But more yep. importantly, it's going to be the first time we've had an opportunity to see the new facility since they've uh, done all the renovations and uh, increased their space there and the footprint in uh, Milwaukee. But the uh, Kohler one, uh, Norb Schmidt. Senior Vice President of Kitchen and Bath Operations uh, was quoted as saying, the new warehouse in Huntsville, Alabama, an enhanced stocking strategy will greatly reduce lead times and improve delivery efficiency. So that's kind of the vibe that some of these companies are, are giving that they're, you know what, we're going to start investing here in America, and which is, a, which is a pretty cool thing. Getting back to the Renai thing, uh, a few weeks ago, we were invited to their kind of their ribbon cutting of their Griffin facility. It's uh, called Ram facility. It's Renai America manufacturing facility. On that day, early in the morning, they produced the first 
uh, non-condensing tankless water heater in North America. So this facility will be running three lines, I think by the end of the year, like 400 uh, tankless units per line will be coming out per day, I think. But it just is, you know, they're, they're producing here in the States, which is pretty huge for a tankless uh, company. You know, Eric and I were fortunate to visit down there and take the tour and participate in the festivities. And I did get a chance to talk to Frank Windsor, the president, and I asked him a couple questions about, uh, you know, the, the opening, the uh, supply chain issues and how this will help, you know, how he felt overall about the event and, and this kind of milestone facility. So let's take a listen, Tim. Frank, you know, when we were on the floor, yeah. by the way, beautiful facility, great event. Thank you so much for having us uh, today. When we were on the floor, I just, yeah, you know, I mentioned like, this is a dream come true for you. This is like the dream in motion, right? So a few years ago, I was at the, at the innovation center and the, you know, and now this is the extension of, of bringing tankless manufacturing here, you know, non-condensing tankless water heaters in the U.S. Tell me the culmination of all this, tell me what it means to you personally. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a huge, it's a huge milestone, not only for me, but for our whole company. I mean, we, you know, we are a $3.2 billion company that manufactures product around the world, but to be able to do it here in the United States is just, uh, it's, hard, it's hard to put in words. I mean, you look at it and go, you know, one of it is we're, we're getting product here and then our company wants to invest in important markets. So they're investing $100 million in our business over the last four years. And two is we're creating jobs, you know, 400 mm-hmm. plus jobs here where you read every day of, you know, companies leaving and here we're creating. So to me, that's the most important piece. And I just can't wait to show our customers this and potential customers this place. I think they're just going to love it. And when they see it and meet our team and see what we're doing here. You know, with COVID and, you know, this was all kind of in momentum during COVID to get this done. And with the supply chain issues, you were not behind in, I mean, a little bit maybe, but not behind in the whole uh, production. of Yeah, this. we, uh, so we started production, or we started uh, building right when the COVID right. hit, right? So we broke ground basically when it started. And we finished the project. We were about six weeks late, and we were about 4% over budget. And anybody that's bought any type of or tried to buy any equipment today to build a factory or a plant or a building, to be able to do that is really incredible. Our team did a great job, and we had a great general contractor uh, that did a great job. So it was really a testament to the team and the planning. And really, there were I Japanese manufacturing support team, and they were just awesome. And I've always said this lately with, you know, supply chain issues and lead times and inflation, all this stuff. I I said, you know, why don't more people like invest in the U.S. so we don't have to deal with kind of some of this BS? And you guys are doing it. Do you think this is going to help overall with your, I mean, with Renai's supply chain? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's going to have a huge impact on our supply chain. Number one. You know, we'll be making the product right here closer to our customer. Number two, we don't have to rely on containers and, you know, yeah. supplies coming out of China. We're purchasing many of the parts right here in the U.S. or we're purchasing it from our, our, our company in Japan. So 
you know, that really simplifies the process and it, it gets the product much closer to us. It's also building a competency for our team to be able to innovate going forward. So instead of working with relying on RJRD to develop product, we can now really work on developing product for the North American market and really work on the manufacturing design because it's right here in our plant yeah. where we're making it. And the mayor kind of brought up a good point. Like this area, you're not too far from the coast. You're, you know, half an hour or whatever from yeah. a, like the busiest airport. So like getting things in and out and across the country, I mean, it, it's ideal. We're, I mean, we're, it is ideal. We're three or four hours from the Savannah port. You got the Charleston port and the Savannah port. We use, I think today we use the Savannah port. You're right off of I-75 and 20. And then you're just south of Atlanta, which is probably one of the greatest cities in the country with unbelievable weather. Yeah. And we're on the south side of Atlanta, so we have everything to offer except for the traffic. So a lot of people find this part of, of uh, the country to be good. I mean, we looked at Alabama, we looked at South Carolina, we looked in different parts of Georgia, and being headquartered in Peachtree City, we're 30 minutes away from our headquarters, 35 minutes, and it's just a great place to build a factory. Yeah, so that was Frank Windsor, president of Renai North America. Kind of think about that. You know, we are, or they are, exporters now instead of you know, trying Import. to get everything imported. Yeah, so it's kind of a cool concept. Well, cool and concept. John, before we jumped on the podcast, you and I were talking about some of the different reports that we get on a weekly or monthly basis. And, you know, we just got a report for to- total construction starts or inch, inch higher in April, about 6% over this time last year. So, you know, mm-hmm. the construction sector seems to be shrugging off the fear of high interest rates and potential recession. Um, as you know, I've, I've told you, we've wintered in the Phoenix Scottsdale area this, this winter and building around here is everywhere. And these mm-hmm. aren't small homes. These are large homes, large buildings, commercial properties all over. So at least in this area of the Southwest, there's been, Still a pretty good-sized building boom going on. Well, Tim, I got an unpopular opinion. I think I have one every podcast, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot it your way. But um, these gas prices are getting crazy. I mean, in Illinois, mm-hmm. it's like it's just the highest. I mean, other than California, New York, maybe. and Is it $5 there yet? It's close. I mean, in, in my little town, it was like 480 for just the you know 87 octane. Listen, there are some extenuating stir- circumstances behind this. I, I, you know, you can't deny that. But this is my opinion, Tim. I think there's an agenda to push towards battery-operated and electric, electrification. You know. Remember, uh, cigarettes were like two dollars a pack. Now they're like ten, and it's a totally different apples and oranges. But you know, you want to get healthy. But you know, it's ten dollars to to buy a pack of cigarettes or more. And I just think it's trying to push this this narrative towards electric and battery operated, which is fine. I don't, you hear- I, I'm, I'm not one that tends to fall down those conspiracy rabbit holes, but I do think there's a hint, a nugget of truth in that. Even if there's not a general cabal out there pushing electrification, as I said, we're, we're at right now, I see electric cars, every Tesla's are everywhere in the Phoenix area. Mm-hmm. I've got friends in, Illinois area where we're going back to in a couple of weeks that have Teslas. And I think eventually look for F-150, the new electric F-150 just came out this week or last week, whichever. I, I think the electrification of cars is here. 
and it's yeah. here to stay. And all the new, you know, the four major brands are definitely behind it with all the different um, platforms they're coming out with in the trucks and vehicles. So I'm, I'm, I'm for it. I'd like yeah, to I mean, I, I, I've talked to some contractors about it and I think, I think with any new product, you got to wait until the price comes down and, uh, you know, some of these like base models for the Ford, what is it? The lightning or what is the, <laughs> the new truck? I think that's, yeah. I think it's the F one fifty lightning. So like the base model package, it doesn't go very far until you have to recharge. And so, and then you have to buy the next model up and, what is that 90 grand or something like that? So I, yeah, it's crazy. So I think once these, these prices stabilize and they come down a little bit, yeah, people will be more apt to, to invest into, uh, you gotta, you gotta think of these contractors They're not just buying one truck. I mean, some of these, you know, they have 50 trucks on the road. That's quite an investment, but the alternative is spending five dollars a gallon on gas. You fill up a truck, and it's you know one hundred and fifty dollars for to fill up your just one truck in your fleet. So it's wasn't well, there a sort of an analogy to the whole cord versus battery with power tools? I mean, just think about it. You know, technology over time has really increased the um, livability and usability of battery platforms with power tools. So, I mean. 20 years ago, power tools, there was very few battery power tools. Uh, now you can't find a um, tradesman out there that doesn't rely on every battery power tool in his, right. his arsenal. So right. I I mean, there's still some with cables, but for the yeah. most part, I mean, battery power is, we're just going to have to improve battery power for automobiles. I just think it's going to take a little bit of time. You know, this is kind of the f- initial introduction and movement towards this. Listen, we all want to do our part for the environment and, and live healthy lives and our children's lives be, you know, better, better, leave them a better planet. So I think this is a slow moving thing to get uh, into electric vehicles, especially for contractors. It's just, I, I can't imagine it's an easy decision to make a switch like that. So it's, it's going to take some time. It's gonna a huge investment, as you said, a huge investment. And, you know, speaking of reports, I know we talked about some of the optimism of construction industry in April, but small business confidence is the lowest it's been since April of 2020. And Mm -hmm. if we all recall what happened in April of 2020, I mean, that was basically when the world shut down for about a year and a half. So um, Mm -hmm. there's so much negativity going on right now, all the things going on in the world. Uh, It's hard to be a little bit optimistic, but we we try, we try. Mm -hmm. So one of the fun things I pulled up, I, I sent it to you, Tim, is... Um, Expensive cities? Yeah. Well, home renovation and remodels um, in different cities. So wow. there were 200 cities ranked, and it was based on, uh, you know, the contractor's hourly rates or the average age of the homes or access to labor and supplies and um, average household spending on home improvement. So <laughs> a couple of... Uh, is it... The immediate takeaway is don't live in California. Uh, that's exactly right. Most <laughs> expensive cities for home improvement. Now, this is top 10. Eight out of the 10 are in California. Yeah. And most of them are Northern California, as you can imagine. Sunnyvale, San Jose, San Francisco. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's one, two, three. You're, it's expensive up there. I don't know how people live there. I'll be quite honest. Um, and then New York, New York, which is 
probably not cheap to live there. And Honolulu, Hawaii, like <laughs> that's, that's everyone's dream to live there. Yeah. Uh, looking, and then the most of, well, go ahead. Tim. No, I was just going to say, I'm looking at the list. I'm trying to find is Sycamore on there. I don't mm. think so. How about Champaign-Urbana? Nope. Don't see that on there. <laughs> nope. So I guess we're, we're pretty affordable. We live in pretty affordable places. I don't see Eric's home of Zimmerman, Minnesota either on here, but yeah. Well, I mean, the most affordable cities for home improvement, six out of the 10 are in Florida. I don't know what that means, but maybe just uh, an influx of older people uh, moving there or something. Well, affordable rates, you know, maybe the home improvement projects aren't as costly thanks to builder rates. You know, I, I, I was surprised that so many of the top 10 were in Florida. I mean, what, one, two, three, yeah, four, six. six, six of the top 10 are in Florida. That surprised me. Grand Rapids was number four. That will uh, make Bradford White very happy. <laughs> Bradford White, yeah, and Founders Brewery. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, Isn't that in Grand Rapids? Yeah, it is. In fact, every time we go see the folks up in uh, at Bradford White, we usually hit Grand Rapids for a dinner at Founders Brewery or at least a couple of cold beverages. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Knoxville, uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. I was mm-hmm. kind of surprised of. Tennessee, and then Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Having lived up in around that area many years ago, I get that. That's a that's it's a pretty nice area. Well, that's actually one of the. I mean, if you look at the top ten places or top twenty places people are moving to, South Dakota is actually one of them on that list. I don't know where in South Dakota, but <laughs> like you said, looking at the Florida at one, you know, on the East Coast being the most affordable. And then California being the most expensive, there's a lot of flyover land in between there. To yeah. you know, and th- that's where we live. I mean, living in Illinois, I always appreciated living in Illinois. But as you and I have talked about off the podcast, time, it's time hard. Out. <laughs> it's 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 hard. It's expensive. My wife and I have been looking at houses here in the Phoenix Scottsdale area, and you know, we just got our month our 2022 property tax bill for a home and you know we're ten thousand dollar tax bill for a home in illinois that home here the taxes would be under two thousand dollars a year in arizona well that's the sad thing about illinois i mean tim you and i live in, in illinois so that's why we're talking about it but it's 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 the government is just so non-creative, I think. It's like, whenever there's a problem, just tax, tax the shit Taxes. out of it. Taxes. That's what they do. Tax it. Tax soda. Tax cigarettes. Tax gas. Tax whatever. It's That's the answer. And Illinois is notoriously, every year, one of the poorest states, always in debt. They have these toll, you know, toll roads and... 40 years ago or 50 years ago, when they put these toll booths in, they're going to like, okay, when when the roads are paid for, they're going to remove the toll booths. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to be it, right? But nope. Once they tax, you, they never take taxes away. Come on. Yeah. You know that. So there's nothing really creative going on except, oh, there's a problem, just tax it. Oh, you have a you have a boat? Oh, let's tax the, you know, the, you know, the sticker for the... John, we're we're starting to sound like our, we're starting to sound like old guys. Well, we, we are, are, but <laughs> true. Now so. it is frustrating. It's very frustrating because you in, in community I live in, Champaign Urbana, they've got some TIF districts that they've set up to help 
gentrify some areas of the city that need some gentrification. And, 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 and I think those are, those are some of the cool things that can be done with tax money, you know, to really create new opportunities for people that may need those opportunities, but to just here, let's tax so much money so we can give it to the school districts or this and that. And then you don't see the benefits from the kids going to school and getting the education they need. It's, it's just frustrating. Uh, as you mentioned, Tim, I will be going to Milwaukee on Thursday to s- help celebrate Kalefi's 20 years in North America. And this is what I want to ask them. Milwaukee uh, Mayor Cavalier Johnson proclaimed that this Thursday is Kalefi Day <laughs> throughout the city of Milwaukee. I want to know who has the clout to do that. Is Mark is Olson going to get a key to the city? I want to yeah. see Mary and Mark with the key to the city. Yeah, that would be cool. That'll be, be cool. cool. Yeah. Now, so. for those of I've been to Cleffy, their headquarters there. Uh, it's right next to the baseball stadium. It's kind of cool yeah. because I've actually you, know, you can park there at the Cleffy, go hang out at Cleffy, and then walk over to a baseball game if you want to because it's right across the parking lot. I'm kind of I'm hoping to see some great Instagram posts from you while you're there. Yeah. I wish I yeah. could go, but it's just uh, unfortunate, just can't. But uh, looking forward to that, and then. We're back up in Milwaukee next month. Yes, we are, but we, I don't think we can talk about that. I, right? I, I didn't say anything. I just said we're back in Milwaukee next month. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, real trivia question, Tim. Where the Brewers play used to be called Miller Park. What's it called now? I have no idea. It's like Family Home Insurance Park or something. Is I don't it? know. It's it's rebranded to a different you know, whatever the sponsor next sponsor is. Sure. It would just why would you ever get away from Miller? Yeah, Miller's like that's Milwaukee synonymous with Milwaukee. But kind of like I've, but, I've but never been. Louis. I've never been there, and you said you've been there and had a great time. It's a great park. I went. I had a friend do a bachelor when I was up living up in Chicago. I had a friend do a bachelor party weekend up in Milwaukee, and he was from the area. He was a huge Brewers fan, so we spent a weekend going to a couple of Brewers games. And it's a very growing up in Midwest. As you know, John, in fact, you've come to football games with me at the University of Illinois. I grew up going to a lot of college football mm-hmm. games, much as mm-hmm. you did when you went to Wisconsin. So there's a certain certain fun that's wrapped around a college football game. A lot of it's tailgating. Milwaukee mm-hmm. Brewers baseball is the first baseball stadium I've ever attended where there was, you know, people in the parking lot grilling brats and, you know, had kegs of beer. And I was like, this is so Milwaukee. This is perfect. <laughs> Yeah, Milwaukee is a, a. I don't know if it's underappreciated, but you know, you I know, think we, we're so used to Chicago, but Milwaukee is a beautiful city. It's got a lot of great things to do. And it's a lot of fun. It's it's small. You know, it's a smaller footprint. You're right on Lake Michigan. Yep. I think it's it's a great. I mean, city, Summerfest. So. If you ever get a chance to go to Summerfest, it's it's hard to beat. I mean, I know I spent a lot of time at Lollapalooza because when I worked downtown Chicago, my office was a couple blocks from. Uh, park and I'd go to Lollapalooza every year, but Summerfest is a whole different creature, and it's it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> so uh, I think we're going to wrap this up, but you know, I just wanted to mention you know our websites, plumbingperspective.com, of course, Mo- uh, Milwaukee, <laughs> mechanicalhub.com, and hydronicshub.com. Take a look at those. Um, also, if you're not listening to Make Trades Great again, check them out. It's great conversation. Also, you know, I would mention that we have Takeo After Dark every Wednesday night. And if you're so inclined to want to join Mechanical Hub and the folks from Takeo, um, Takeo After Dark is a 
great webinar where you can earn some uh, uh, CEUs and learn a little bit from the Takeo trainers and Dave Holdorf, Rick Mayo, and John Barba. So it's always fun to join them on Wednesday evenings. Check it out. Go. Uh, you can find information on our site or go to TakeoComfort.com and find information there. Yeah. Well, we've got Memorial Day weekend coming up in a week. We've got uh, summer right around the corner. I'm sure you and I will be taking a little time away from podcasts to uh, get a little traveling in. But uh, any big plans for the summer for the Mason Brink family? Nothing that we're like traveling to, but uh, there's a wedding June 3rd. Someone in our family is getting married and we're they're having it in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. So that's Ooh. always fun to be up there. Gorgeous area. Um, actually, the guy, you know, we've gone to do some meetings in Black River Falls, Wisconsin. Black River Mark Falls? Hoffman. Mark Hoffman. We'll do a shout out to him. His son is graduating high school. College? High school? I don't know. I think it's high school. So we're going to go up there Memorial Day weekend. Go hang out at the uh, airport bar? (laughs) (laughs) No, they have some property on the river there, which is pretty cool. So they're going to have a bunch of people, and we'll celebrate with them and stay overnight. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, how about you? I know you're you're making the trek back. Making the trek back, and I think the summer is going to be spent around doing some stuff to the house. Even though yeah. it's a newer house, we've still got a lot of landscaping we need to get done. We've got a back deck that we're talking about getting put in. So I think our, our summer is pretty much going to be around the around the house. Maybe yeah. some quick trips up to the city or Indianapolis because we're about two hours from Indy and two hours from Chicago. And tend to make a weekend trip out of one of those during the summer, but that's about the extent of it. Speaking of Indy, isn't Aspie? This yep. uh, fall, that's yep. going to be this fall. Aspie's yeah. Aspie will be in Indianapolis. I assume that we'll be staying at the same place we always <laughs> stay at when we're in Indy. Oh yeah, yeah. You can you never get enough marijuana smoke through your window. Well, and at least the house next door has now been redone. Mm, has it? <laughs> Last time we were there, it was not. It wasn't. I thought that it was about finished, but well, that whole area. Speaking of gentrification. Uh, Actually, I'll I'll just tell you, when Eric and I stayed there a few months ago, we came out to wait for our Uber, and we looked over, and there were two teenage kids smoking, you know, smoking a blunt, and uh, they looked looked over like we were going to, like, narc, or, you know, their eyes were wide open, they were just, (gasps) and then we were like, hey, man, how you doing? You know, have a nice day. I don't give a, I don't care. You know, yeah. do what you got to do. So Do what you got to do. <laughs> so. All right. Well, you know, sorry we didn't have a guest today. It was just John and I. Yeah, we got some good ones lined up. Uh, you know, we're talking about um, some of the, you mentioned some of the stats on the, the construction starts. We're going to delve into um, the new infrastructure package with our buddy Dane Hansen. He'll be on. Yep. Probably within a week or two, so that will be interesting. There's a lot of good stuff to go through and dissect through that. So, plus we've got a couple manufacturers, reps, uh, product people, and or VIPs, and couple manufacturing partners that we work with that are coming on in there next month that we can delve into some of what they're doing as yeah. far as investment and unemployment and stuff because unemployment's still at a According to the last report, you know, we're still at like 3.9. So it's continuing to inch down. And by, I think, 
July, it's supposed to be at pre pre uh, pandemic levels. So mm-hmm. um, you know, there's jobs out there to be had, but you it's, know, good to hear. it's still pretty. Yeah. yeah, it's just we're fighting gas prices, we're fighting inflation. It's it's more expensive this year than it was this time last year. It's, I think I saw like twenty seven percent increase in your household items. Mm-hmm. Uh, be it toilet paper, food, gas, twenty seven percent increase over this time last year. Funny you mention that. We are looking to do redo our uh, master bathroom, or you know, renovate it, remodel it, and um, got a couple quotes, and they're pretty similar in cost. Mm-hmm. And I just think if this was four years ago, it'd probably be four thousand dollars cheaper. I'm imagining. You so. know what, though, John. As I just said, my wife and I are looking to do some landscaping and build a deck on the house. These are things that are still going to get done. Yeah, it's going to cost me more, and I'm not happy about that. But, you know, quality of life for me and my wife and my family is pretty consequential. You know, I want a house that's a beautiful house that I can entertain at, and Mm -hmm. much like you want to fix your bathroom. I mean, it's quality of life. We we do it because we we want to. I I still can use the bathroom. I just feel like... Uh, the remodeling or the renovation of the bathroom will go towards the resale value of the home, which, you know, who knows? Within five years, maybe we'll be moving. So, well, anywho, my wife and I, my wife and I could be moving within the next year. So, yeah. for us, it is, you know, investing in the home to make it a quicker sell. And with rising interest rates and uh, housing availability, it's, you know, we think the next year is probably the best time for us to, you know, get ours back on the market so we can eventually move down here. All right, Tim, always a pleasure. Hope some, I hope everybody listening got something out of this podcast. And like John said, you know, go to our websites, read our newsletter, subscribe to our newsletter, do everything we can to make you guys better at what you do. Right on. All right, Tim, over and out. The not dead yet podcast is powered by Mechanical Up Media and produced by John Masonbrink and Tim Ward. It is edited by John Masonbrink. Music presented by Jason Drum and graphics furnished by Wayne Rowe. Thanks for listening and until next week. <laughs>